What's poppin' everybody? Welcome back to the Black Hole Podcast. My name is Evan Malik McDonald, and today we have Isaiah Hernandez, a educator and an artist who talks a lot about environmental justice, which I think is an issue that a lot of us have a understanding of, but we don't really know too much about it. Uh, I'm currently outside of this studio. What's up, everybody? I am here with Isaiah, an artist, a a, somebody I found online. Crazy. I'm not crazy. I feel like that's not too crazy. Finding people online and (laughs) just wanting to talk to them. I feel like that. I mean, for one, I feel like that's kind of our generation's thing. But also, it's just the right time to do that. How are you doing, though? How are you doing? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for inviting me. And obviously, I'm doing really well. Honestly, I am so thankful to be back home in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to live in LA. I, I are you originally from LA? Are you LA? Yeah, native? yeah. I actually okay. grew up in North Hollywood. Yep. Oh wow, wow. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, yeah. LA is cool. I, I used to live. I lived there for a couple of years, and uh, it's cool. It's weird. It's like really weird. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's you can't really explain it. Like I, you know, I'm I'm originally from New York City, and New York City has its you know their, their odd points, but like LA is its own universe it's a pocket universe it just it just doesn't really make sense but then but if you live there it makes sense to you if that makes sense you know yeah no definitely (laughs) i mean i mean i think both can be said in new york too where i was living in new york for a year and so it has such a very unique place in my heart but it's also Mm -hmm. very structured very uniquely and so Mm -hmm. i like remember being there and i was like this is so much different from la for sure (laughs) yeah 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 it's just but they're both just super weird and uh it's, they shouldn't really exist it's just so like it like it just doesn't make sense but it's just they're both amazing places but uh do, i guess do you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself before we i guess dive into the black hole yeah definitely yeah so um for those who don't know my name's isaiah and so i run a environmental educational page known as queer bound vegan and so um for those who are interested in learning about environmentalism i create accessible environmental educational terms that really cover the surfaces of environmentalism through a variety of industries that you may have not known or thinking about um, zero waste through a different lens or veganism and environmental justice. And so I post a lot of uh, sometimes you would say controversy or controversy topics on environmentalism. And so to kind of create more longer discussions in our environmental movement. Word, word. All right. So I guess my first question, are we all going to die? Is that like the is the planet gonna implode? Are we all gonna die? Is this it? Should we give up? Um, what's up? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is a really great question. And so I honestly come from a very opportunistic uh, view where I obviously don't feel the planet will die. I do agree collectively though that the, obviously the earth has taken a huge toll in environmental damage. And so obviously right now as millennials ourselves, 
um, while we may be the ones experiencing a lot of the changes that we're seeing, it will honestly, um, right now, from what it looks like through data and research, that it will only continue getting worse for obviously younger generations. And so what that will look like, obviously for us when we're in our 60s, 70s or 80s, is we may see a huge shift in climate events. And so um, that's something that is obviously talked about. So I do believe though that there are right now finding innovative solutions or um, ordeals and people are collectively um, ensuring this collectivized society or uh, collectivized agreement to work towards addressing this issue and finding ways to obviously uh, what you would say save the earth mm -hmm. so I mean I, I, what got you into I, mean, I don't want to say what got you what got you into I guess activism right because we all care I feel like a lot of us really do care about the environment we know what's happening we, we know the statistics we know the science we all recycle but like I don't I feel like we don't take the extra step right like we yeah. don't have these conversations so what got you into these conversations what got you into wanting to have these conversations yeah definitely I think for me um, you know I've always been passionate about learning about environmentalism at a young age and so I obviously never really understood like you had said like you know understand the connections or you would say understand what it really meant or kind of had a very um not really information available to me and so i think in college um what really got me into activism now that i'm you know not i call myself more of an educator but what got me into activism during that age is that you know i remember just like learning about all these injustices from people you know at college you learn so many perspectives and so then I was introduced mm -hmm. to a lot of these ideas and so you know for me obviously you know I'm someone that you know you know wanted to, is constantly working to become anti-racist obviously or you know actively doing so and something that will be part of my journey and will always be so and so you learn about all these movements that are happening and then you realize like wow this is obviously a reality and so you know that moment of kind of waking up to a lot of these injustices and learning all this language about activism and environmental justice you then realize to yourself like, wow, like this is something I wish I could have learned at a younger age, but it was never talked about. And so I think what really got me more into talking about these topics is that even within your own, my own classes that I took, like a lot of the professors obviously were never looked like me. Um, there was never mm -hmm. a diverse representation of professors. They chose to only focus on uh, what you would say like white conservation leaders and glorify these leaders. and you would understand that a lot of these leaders had like, you know, anti-Indigenous views and the way that they taught classes was, you know, seen as like, obviously, um, you know, very one-sided and perspective through obviously like a, you know, hetero cis male lens. And so it never mm. really introduced these things. And so when I started questioning this and started asking more questions, all I was met was with silence or seen as like, you can't be talking about these topics or sometimes the fact that some of these professors don't really believe in environmental racism or justice. They don't think it's necessary. And so then you realize that at the end of the day that when you go to education or college, you think that like it'll answer all the questions when it really isn't. It's about your own journey. And so I think my advocacy to speak up against these injustices, um, you know, really stemmed in college. And so now it's, you know, transpired my work is to get people to really learn more about this and to challenge themselves other than just learning it through a educational institution. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, th there's a few interesting things I want to, I, I guess, focus on. I mean, one of the things is, you know, the whole education 
aspect, right? Like these aren't things we learned in school typically, right? And yeah. this doesn't this this isn't just about environmental justice. It's also you know let's talk about Christopher Columbus. Let's talk about racial injustices. Like we don't really we we, we may we may know the basic ideas of it, right? Yes. Like we yeah. know the we know the Martin Luther Kings and Malcolm X's, right? We know that you know we've all watched Al Gore's movie. Like we all had social studies teachers who were like, all right, let's watch Al Gore's movie and call it a day, right? Mm-hmm. Like we know the very baseline of what's happening, but it's interesting that. I mean, I, I, you know, I have a similar upbringing where, like, you know, I, I grew up knowing about these different injustices, but it wasn't until I got to college until I had the opportunity to talk to different people, different backgrounds, and, and I, I took certain classes or I did my own research where I really found out, like, wait a second, things are really fucked up. They're way more fucked up than we were initially led on to believe. Um, but, you know, I think one one thing I want to kind of just touch on is just the word or the phrase environmental justice, right? Because it's not just recycling, right? It's not just mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not just uh, turning the lights off when you leave your house. It's, it's, it's what, what is that? What is environmental justice for the audience? What, what, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think environmental justice is basically, you know, what you would say is a concept that looks into obviously um, seeking for equitable ways for communities to seek justice that have obviously experienced environmental racism. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to connect that term is that environmental racism obviously is a concept from the environmental justice movement that looks into the policies and practices that discriminate against black, indigenous, people of color communities. And so to put it in a simple way is that communities seek justice for what went wrong in their community right and Mm. so obviously you know to understand the environmental justice movement is to look back into history right and i'm talking within the united states is that back in the 1960s and 1970s the modern environmental movement was hugely dominated by white middle class people and so essentially their own political base basically looked at environmental regulation and conservation reform so you know it wasn't necessarily incorporated with people it was more incorporated through a natural preservation landscape perspective and so due to the fact of the lack of representation and voices being represented in those conversations obviously conservation was a huge focus it wasn't until i think the 19 you know 70s 1980s 1990s uh famous people like the father of the environmental justice movement robert m bullard and like you know the mother of environmental justice uh hazel m johnson um you know were advocating for obviously their communities being obviously disproportionately affected by these toxic facilities in their nearby communities and so obviously it was a huge concern knowing that a lot of communities that were low income, especially here in LA, were subjected to a lot of uh, oil refineries or like waste incinerators that eventually obviously leads to their community's health. And so obviously this raised a lot of question of whether, you know, within our own United States of America that not all communities are created nor designed equally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as we all know, I mean, we, we've seen what's happening in Flint, uh, yeah. Newark, New Jersey, which I mean, I, you know, I'm, I, I, I live in Jersey now, and that's that's insane. I mean, Newark, New New Jersey, it's you know for, for you guys, it's it's a massive town for. I mean, it's a massive uh, uh, black city, right? Uh, and they have poisonous water, <laughs> you know, and no one's no one's really talking about that. Um, but yeah, that that's really fascinating, just because it's it, it it just seems like whenever things are bad in the world, it's always worse for black people and people of color, right? Uh, like, 
I mean, COVID, for example, right? We, we, we know the statistics for COVID. Uh, black people are disproportionately affected. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I, I guess, do you think there will be a change? Like, do you, do you think the movement right now, the movements right now, do you think that it will create a focus on these injustices in these communities, right? Like, do you think that now that we're talking about police brutality, now that we're talking about history, do you think that we'll now be talking about uh, uh, just protecting and saving these, these communities? Yeah, I mean, I think personally with all the recent, obviously, injustices that happened a few months ago is that the fact that, you know, it was more of a call to action to see that obviously this has been an apparent issue for decades. And so, you know, more people that obviously come from privileged backgrounds or privileged spaces finally, I think, are trying to make those connections or understood that they can no longer be silent. And so I think, you know, culturally, you know, within our own millennials and Gen Zers, um, they're advocating about this being at the forefront. And so I think that a lot of these youth people are challenging their own friends or challenging their own racist like neighborhoods or their own racist family members. And so mm-hmm. it's creating a larger conversation and it's creating more movement. However, the thing is that, like you had mentioned, like, you know, how do we continue to have these everlasting conversations that would help create change? And so I think awareness is the great is the first great step, right? To really showcase what's been happening. And so I think personally, like myself, like anyways, is that I feel though, as if, you know, more people are becoming more aligned to these injustices or realizing how it's impacting their own friends. And so necessarily, I think we're coming in a way where people are realizing that everything is interconnected in that sense. And so you cannot obviously solely advocate or, you know, say that human rights matter um, when you're not advocating for Black Lives Matter, you know? Right, right. I mean, it's it's a huge intersectional movement, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you talk about Black Lives Matter, it's not just Black Lives Matter, right? It's it's, it's trans Black lives, it's women, Mm -hmm. female Black lives. It's, 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 it, 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 it is like, and that that's not the only aspect, right? Like when we talk about these movements, we have to talk about literally every other movement uh, 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 that that's that's being had, right? Yeah. I mean, I think what was very interesting about, I guess, uh, the George Floyd marches uh, leading up to now is that it kind of uh, overlapped with with um, Pride Month, right? So yeah. we we had we had to have both conversations at the same time, right? Like you had companies posting, you know, uh, rainbow flags and Black Lives Matter hashtags, mm-hmm. right? That's not yeah. something we typically see, and like I I think that. You know, I I hope that we are having these multiple conversations at the same time, right? Because I think that that's the only way we can really move forward is if all these groups come together to to try to uh, uh, make a better world for ourselves, right? Like it can't just be black people fighting for black lives. It has to be black people fighting for for, for queer lives and queer lives fighting for black people and and and, and people uh, envir- environmental justice people fighting for 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 uh, women and women fight like it has to be all of us together in in, in this in this action um, because at the end of the day, like you said, we're all affected. You know, it, it affects all of us. All these issues affect all of us, right? Like police brutality, while it may not be as destructive towards say a white woman still has an effect right like if if you look at the statistics uh uh policemen who 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 
who uh, cause domestic violence within their homes, a lot of them get off. <laughs> you know, a lot of them get off without any issues, and that that branches into police brutality, right? Like it's 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 that it's it is an overarching umbrella, and that's something I think that a lot of us have to understand is that just because it may not affect you on a daily basis, it still has an effect on your life, right? Yeah, no, I, and I agree. I think that you know, I think people themselves, you know, are making those connections every day, and so I think what ha- needs to happen now is this shift where obviously the people or activists or grassroots organizers that have been doing this or have been obviously already harmed or silenced by institutions that it's up to them now to see how they position themselves in this movement you know it's all about Mm -hmm. positionality but also realizing like um you know the space that you're taking up and who who you're supporting and what you're doing actively Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean so I, i guess let's see so I, I, I know that over, I mean, I, I've been paying attention to your social media, obviously. A lot of, one of the things that you really talk a lot about, which again, I very rarely see is the conversation about electronic waste, right? Like everybody has a phone, everybody has a TV, everyone has a laptop, right? But when we're done with these devices, they go somewhere, right? Like, like, mm-hmm. like I, and, but the, and, and they're, 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 they're heavy on the environment. Like they're filled with plastics and, and silicones and, and things that we like, like what what do we do with this stuff what do we do my my, my laptop just broke what do i do with it <laughs> you know yeah i mean like i feel like first is like the fact that there's such a lack of education with electronic waste right i think mm-hmm. many of us don't necessarily think the amount of like e-waste that is generated so i think that's the first thing that no one really necessarily here in the united states knows where to put your electronic waste sometimes you know like yes some of us do know but necessarily like you need specific recycling instructions to put it in a certain area or recycle it and so Mm -hmm. i think there's a lack of resources available especially with covid right now like everything's closed and so the second thing is the fact that um necessarily a lot of these corporations are able to get away with the amount of waste that that's being generated right so they're able to develop all these new products with new gadgets and widgets and so i think that like not a lot of people like obviously like you know know about it that they design it in a sense to contribute to consumerism and society and then third of all is the fact that it low it long term contributes to environmental racism because all of that electronic waste obviously has toxic uh chemicals and so when they're in waste incinerators in other countries um you know like um in other continents and so the black indigenous people of color communities in those countries are the ones that have to bear that um you know mercury poison in their lungs and so there's no accountability on that end and so i think to looking into the resources of how minerals are extracted for resources they're very unethical and right, obviously right. creates huge environmental degradation and human rights issues there yeah yeah no absolutely i mean i like i i feel like the easy solution is just having buyback programs right like at the end of the day, every piece in these components can be recycled. I mean, not every piece, most, a lot of the pieces within our like electrical devices can be recycled and used for other devices, right? And there's so many, there's so many where, you know, you can limit what is mined. You know, I mean, for one, we, we just need to mine ethically, if that's even possible, right? Um, <laughs> and, and like, I mean, there's so many issues with, with, I mean, our phones alone. I mean, we all know 
about the factories uh, with, with children workers and, and slave workers. We, we all know about that. Um, but, you know, I it's, it's, it's this weird thing where, like, we we like we need these devices right but there is there a way to consume and 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 have these devices ethically right like do you think there is a way for me to buy a new phone ethically use my phone and then dispose of it ethically like do you think that is that is something that we can do now is is that something we have to create uh just for the future yeah, I mean, I think it looks into obviously the cost of it. Like, how much are you willing to spend more to understand right. where that resource is being obviously ethically extracted? And so I think there's an issue where people think, you know, ethical is is not accessible, which is true in that sense. But too, if you think about it, we've been ingrained in society to think that, you know, uh, shirts technically cost, you know, ten dollars, right, or nine bucks, right, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else in another country is producing that shirt for just less than 10 cents a day or less than a quarter. And so obviously that raises like, you know, huge issues of whether where things are being sourced or where things are being obviously um, getting from. So I think too is that consumers understand that ethical is obviously going to cost you more because you're obviously thinking about human wages, you're thinking about healthcare, you're thinking about access and physical and mental health resources. And so I think buying it for the first step is understanding that. And I think the second step is understanding that the impact of that, right? So I'm not saying like at the end of the day, um, you not properly recycling is the death of a community, but it contributes to it. And third of all, is the fact that you need to um, constantly challenge these bigger corporations, the ones that are hiding behind non-human logos to continuously obviously further pollute the environment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean you know it, it's it is tough you know i mean it's it's there's so much going on and 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 you know uh you know i i feel like with a lot of people uh you know a lot of people don't want to invest their time in certain things right but again it's it, like i like i said before like it it, it it's this is an intersectional movement you know like it's it's going to affect the people that you're fighting for right like but um yeah jesus where, where do we start you know like where where do we start with with it like this like that's that's always a conversation i have um you know typically in regards to to, to black lives matter is, is like there's so many little issues right like you know like I said, there is police brutality, but how, there, there's also education. That, that's a whole issue. There's also uh, jobs. There's also just straight up discrimination for, for, for jobs and, and, and schools. Like there's so many places, there's, there's so many issues, right? And, and uh, where do we start? Like what's, and is there a place to start? Is there an actual place where we need to, is there an actual issue we have to tackle first to, to, to I guess, knock the dominoes down? Yeah, I think you need to start where you can confidently engage in. And so I think a lot of people usually tell themselves, like, I think they take more time stressing themselves out whether where to start from and not do anything rather than just knowing that which issue you're more passionate about and understanding that there's a, there's a movement, right? There's everyone yeah. in different sectors fighting for this. And so um, wherever you may be, there'll be other people there and wherever you're not, you not you not are um, there's gonna be people there and so I think understanding where you you can confidently engage in is because I tell people this because then people most of the times then 
um, are doing things that, of course, they they care about, but they're not truly passionate about. And so I think mm. they get overwhelmed, they feel a loss of disconnection in the work. And so I think whether you're entering activist spaces or educational spaces or like, um, you know, other types of justice movements, I think it's important that you understand, yeah, like you mentioned, like everything intersects, but also too, like your position matters in this movement. And so I think one is obviously educating yourself wherever you may be in the movement of what's happening, because then that's when you're able to ask yourself questions and ask yourself where you stand. Mm. So, I mean, I guess why, why should people care? Like, I, you know, I, I know why people should care, but like, why should people care about this? Right. When, when, like, like I said before, like, right. Like, you know, you know, like, it's not something that affects you or, you know, for, for in a lot of people's perspectives, it's not something that really affects them right now. Why should people care about environmental racism? Why should people care about environmental justice? Especially if it doesn't like immediately affect them. I, I just want to know what you think and, and why, I guess your answers to that. Yeah, I mean, like, I think many people agree the fact that, like, no child should ever be abused, no child right. should ever, you know, be left with hunger, and so human's rights issue, right, is the center of this, like, main theme is that I don't agree necessarily with people that preach this idea or ideology when they're perpetuating harm or contributing towards their silence, which is violence, um, mm-hmm. to address these issues, and so I encourage people that, like, regardless that you don't live in these environments, regardless if you may have not known or you may have ignored it for so long, there will come a time where you will be in need or, you know, you need to assist. And so obviously, you know, seeing your own values as a human being is that do you wish to contribute to silence, which is violence, or do you contribute, do you wish to fight, which is obviously the resistance. And so I think, um, you know, why you should care about these movements is because at the end of the day, like, as a human being you have feelings you have emotions and so you cannot exhibit you know i don't believe that someone cannot exhibit you know disregard for communities like that um and i think if you do then that obviously raises a lot of questions about your own values and you know i think that's why people are then going into cancel cultures deplatforming all these people who preach about caring about people but when it comes to certain issues are quiet about it so i think it's contradictory and so obviously it's time to call them in for what they preach you know right 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 so uh, you're a vegan right yeah okay so i want to talk a little bit about that because that's you know i I feel like people don't typically have the chance to actually talk to uh someone who chooses to who chooses to be a vegan first off what why what what and why what made you want to do it and why did you finally make that leap because you know i feel like people you know they want to do something but a lot of people have issues actually making that leap so i just want to know like what's your history with that yeah i mean i'm being vegan like i was already going towards vegetarian but i you know truly myself in this movement is that you know i support obviously animal rights and not and obviously human rights and so mm-hmm. you know not necessarily saying that if you eat meat contributing to not caring about animals i think i look at veganism through a perspective that i critique the industrial agricultural system that was sustainable that's a product of environmental colonialism and so obviously you know for me i went because of so many issues is that one is i was already experiencing a lot of health issues myself and two is like you know uh 
diet, not diet history, but um, health history in my family. And so I think mm. for me, adopting a plant-based diet was the best way for me to navigate this space. And I think a lot of the times there's a lot of disconnections. There's a lot of, um, you know, white supremacy hidden within veganism. And so I think mm. for me, I obviously advocate that everyone should have the right to know where your food comes from whether it's ethically or unethically sourced because regardless you know animals obviously being heavily exploited and you know um you know being taken advantage of too is that the fact that migrant farm workers that don't have access to um, basic health care aren't even allowed to do this because they're undocumented and so how do we raise this huge issue of this injustice in this industry Mm-hmm. So, okay, so interesting enough, you so you brought up white supremacy and veganism, right? <laughs> like, what what is that? <laughs> yeah, I think what the fact that many white vegans, not that if you're white you perpetuate this, but right, right. necessarily like white veganism itself, you know, denies the fact that veganism itself is intersectional or interconnectedness, and I think a lot of the times people think going vegan will save the planet, and so mm-hmm. I think. One is the fact that when you deny the fact that human lives matter, such as like black and brown lives matter, then it raises questions of like, you know, this is all interconnected. And so I think, you know, white veganism has done a good job to really erase this or the people being represented in the vegan community are usually like white males, like bodybuilders or white females. And so none of these people ever, rarely any of these people address these issues or address these injustices. And so I think for me, I really make it an effort to really de- not challenge others to really unlearn themselves because I think white veganism is deadly because I think it offers obviously the opportunity of vegan capitalism or green capitalism, which is obviously not really sustainable at the end of the day. It's still, it's the same thing. It's just hidden in another cloak. And so I think, you know, people justify their racist behaviors um, because they're vegan, you know, and I don't think it's an excuse for them. They, they shouldn't be excused from that. They should be held accountable. And I think it's, it's honestly truly really disturbing to see that in the community. I mean, it, it sounds like it's, you know, I, I, I guess white veganism sounds like it's, it's like, you know, when a white person posts a, 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 a black box on the Instagram, right? Like it's, it's kind of the bare minimum of it right where exactly, it's like, yeah. and it just makes you look good i guess for lack of a better term it just makes you look good on social media it makes you look good to your friends to your family like hey look i'm vegan i'm saving the world blah 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 but they're not actually doing the research not actually doing the work you know honestly right like it's let's be honest like being vegan isn't the hardest thing in the world right like obviously it takes a little more effort um, but it, it's, there's, you need to do more, right? Like you need to do more. If, if you are so invested in saving the world environmentally, you have to invest in these other aspects, right? Like it's not just planning, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing that's part of my reasoning is that if you're going to advocate for this, you need to understand that. And so obviously many of these people don't necessarily relate um environment and race together it's more Mm -hmm. about the animal species and so obviously that's huge concern when obviously that rhetoric is being spread right right i mean personally my thing is like uh because i i i went vegan for a little bit um and i come up with however isn't as powerful as yours but uh but i was vegan for a little bit and and you know the thing is it wasn't about 
just eating animal, right? Like it, it wasn't just about that. It was the reason I went vegan was because I knew how these how this meat came to my table, right? Like I knew the 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 basically the torture done to these animals. I knew, you know, the 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 the, the profits made not only off of animals but off of uh, uh, black and brown people, right? Like just the the exploitation of it all, right? And and I think like part of me at that time was like, listen, I will only eat an animal if it is done ethically, right? Like if if it is, uh, if you know, and that that was my thing. If, if it was, if it's sustainable, it's sustainable. If if it's mm-hmm. ethical, I don't have as much of an issue with it. And I I I I, I don't know. I wonder if one you see this in, in I guess in in the in in the environmental community, or if that's something that you can talk about, right? Like, am I wrong to 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 I guess see it that way? Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I think myself anyways, is that, you know, I haven't done so much more research on what you would, what's usually advertised as like organic or local meat farms. And so I obviously don't really have that much research on them or can talk confidently in it. But I think some vegans obviously would disagree. I think my standpoint is that if the workers are being ethically paid, if they're ethically sourced, animals are treated well, they, you mm-hmm. know, it's through a regenerative process. I know indigenous communities practice regeneration within their own, you know, livestock and just, you know, the way they pack practice and, um, you know, incorporate the animal within their own lifestyle and like the earth is circular. I think then like, you know, I can't, you know, necessarily like go against it. And I'm not like, you know, I'm not, you know, I think my, obviously too, like my position is always like, I don't care if you eat meat, right? I think you have the right to know where your food comes from. That's what I believe in. And so I think, you know, um, if people, you know, argue the fact that, you know, organic or local farms are more sustainable, I do agree in the sense, like, when you look at the impact or the severity of the issue, it's definitely less than what you would look into than modern large scale industrial agricultural systems for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about synthetic meats, you know, like Beyond Meat, Beyond Burgers? I mean, I, I've I've had it many, I've cooked it many times. I think it's delicious, but, you know, I don't know too much about it in terms of its impact. I don't know too much about it in terms of, of how they do it or, or uh, what it costs to make these things. But like, what do you, what, have you had it? And like, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I've had both, and personally, they made me a little bit sick, and so I read on forums, actually, that some vegans were getting sick from them, or they felt weird in their stomach, and so I don't really eat them, but I think it's a great alternative for people wanting to eat, like, maybe that, having that similar meat look, or, like, you know, taste, I'd say, Um, but I think, you know, it's also an interesting example where you know, green, like, it's, it's a great alternative, right? It's sustainably more sourced, but also understanding where those chemicals, what chemicals are used, and so mm-hmm. understanding, too, like, necessarily just because your, you know, fruits and vegetables don't come in the hands of, like, animal species, you know, whose hands do they come from? Who sources those sweets or the products? And so, obviously, it raises questions on that end, and so I obviously, too, like, uh, they get the great mission and so I do support you know if one is just you know struggling and just trying to be vegan or wanting to do more vegan stuff then I'm all for it you know for people to mm-hmm. do it yeah I mean I've 
I'm a fan. I, I I made some like really good uh, Beyond sausages the other day. I had like a little sauerkraut. It was, it was fucking phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> and I, listen, I'm you know I don't eat a lot of meat, but I I eat meat, and like it's it for me it's just it's it tastes very similar, if not the same. Like I I if you I wouldn't know. Like I, I feel like if you didn't tell anybody, they wouldn't know. And I and I think that's pretty awesome. I think that's like a huge step in in the right direction, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, I tell people too, like, it's, you know, if you don't even want to go fully vegan, you can just try eating, like, you know, vegan or try eating vegan food once a week. Because, like, at the end of the day, like, who eats meat every day out of the week? Right. You know, I don't. Right. I, I never yeah. did when I used to. Maybe I ate it, like, three, four times a week, maybe, but, you know, not every day either. Right. I mean, apparently, we're, we Americans just eat too much protein. And a lot of that comes from just us eating meat. Like we're not supposed yeah. to consume as much protein as people like as, as we're told right mm-hmm. uh i mean I, I watched this show zach efron I, I, I you know, zach efron just came out with that netflix show um and he went to a blue zone and you know for you guys a, a blue zone is a zone where people just live longer than the rest of the world and one of the things they were saying is like they don't eat a lot of protein right like it's just, it's just not what they do um and you know, I, I think in the American mythos, the American culture, right? Like, I feel like meat and protein is just—we're told that it's just American, right? Like July Fourth, we have to cook ribs, we have to cook pork, we have to like, you know, cook these 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 uh, feasts of meat. When like that's not really true. Like it's it's it it, it is what it is. Like just, I, I feel like in in 2020 we've. We've gotten to a place where plant a plant diet is one sustainable and just two tastes good, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, I, I remember years and years and years ago, there was always that conversation that oh, being a vegan that that's nasty. Like there's no, no, there's no good foods. That's not true. It's so easy to do. I, I there, there are plenty of meals I eat personally that are just completely plant based and they're absolutely phenomenal. You know? Yeah, exactly. And so you know i tell people that too where it's like you know it's necessarily like you know people are saying like well what do vegans eat i'm like well if you've never eaten a fruit or vegetable because most of your (laughs) diet you know composes of that and so i think the fact that there's that lack of education and so i think too or when it comes to cooking like how many people actually really cook you know because i grew up cooking in a mexican family household and so i was i learned how to cook and so a lot of those meals I cook a lot of them were plant-based too and so you can make you can even veganize it and so I think people are not willing to you know add that or substitute out the meat portion for something else when they can just use the same ingredients they use you know just for right. a vegan dish right right and I just feel like it's easier to make vegan dishes personally yeah and like you won't you won't necessarily like die if you like not cook the vegetable properly right. you know right right like I, there's always like an anxiety when i cook meat where it's just like i have to make sure it's above this amount or i'm gonna i'm gonna die like even just touching it is just like a little anxiety inducing because you're not acting like when, when you touch meat you're supposed to immediately wash your hands because you could spread germs and shit like i it's it's i just feel like cooking is 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 it, it would be s- such a a easy task if you eliminate the meat right exactly yep but i mean yeah guys if if you want to try it out i re- i definitely recommend the beyond meats um they just taste good you know they, they taste good and you like i i don't know it, they taste very very close to me um so okay so you said that you lived in new york you said you lived in la 
um, both massive cities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can we have a city and I guess, uh, uh, can, uh, how can I ask this question? I guess, can you live environmentally in a city, right? Like, can you li- live sustainably in a city? Yeah, I mean, I think you can. There's just like different sectors in which you want to live sustainably, right? And I think necessarily a lot of times people, you know, think about like, you know, consumer behaviors. And so there's a lot of ways that you reduce your own impact as an individual. Like I, you know, I don't have a license, honestly. And so it's funny because that automatically forces me to take public transportation. I grew up taking uh, the metro here in LA to to high school and middle school. Like I Mm. was so normalized to it. And so I think if you're really wanting to, you know, use, you know, maybe use plastic in your own home, like don't feel necessarily guilty about it because you're still being more sustainable in your carbon impact through, you know, using public transportation. And so just looking into your own ways of what you do sustainably, right? And I think that like, you know, living in New York myself, like you're always on the go, right? And so I remember sometimes it's like not having time to even cook for dinner because I come home from work late. And so I was just like, you know, F this, I want, you know, um, I want to buy out food. And so I think, you know, just understanding that you can even make your own bathroom sustainable. You can even make your own DIY products, like sustainable, like it, it necessarily, it is possible. But mm-hmm. I think too, like, if you focus so much on being perfect, then it'll like destroy you. So value um, progress over perfection is what I say to people. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like, cause you know, you know, I feel like if everybody did it, there would be room for, you know, there would there would be there there would be some leeway, right? Like mm-hmm. I feel like the, the, if if everybody lived a sustainable life, then yeah, okay, sometimes it's fine if you order out. It's fine if you you know you do this or or, or something like that's not sustainable. If, if again, like if everybody does it, but I you know I, I feel like I mean I don't feel like I know this because I lived in Los Angeles that it's so much harder to take public transportation. Yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. Anywhere, I've lived in New York City, I've lived in Boston, and both of those cities have like pretty good public transport, right? But LA is just its own little thing. I I took the, the metro system in LA and it's it's here's here's my take on it. I don't I don't know if you share this. I guess you could you could tell people what you think, but like I feel like especially with the trains, um they're they are efficient but they don't go anywhere, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, like, the, the Metrolink, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, guess, yeah. I guess Subway, I don't, I don't I guess you call it Metrolink, right? Yeah, so the the Metrolink, essentially, it would help me get to, like, Union Square or Union Station mm-hmm. um, and down, obviously, in L.A. But obviously, yeah, like, there's the subways there, and I think, like, the North Hollywood Station was convenient for me there growing up because there's so many routes to take but yeah like you said you're limited in the sense of like there's no direct exactly like i remember in high school taking it like there's no direct it drops you off like it would drop you off like a few blocks away or like right you right. have to then like wait another like 45 minutes for the next bus to come and so it, it it's a draining process for sure i mean i i remember i used to work in what was it marina del rey i used to live in hollywood right mm-hmm. and I remember one day it took me like three hours to get home, right? Like it took me longer to get home from like across the city than it took to to go from my house to Disneyland, which I thought was like insane. But but what I realized is like 
there's no it, there's, there's no there's no reason why la la's public transportation system should be that way and that's you know just going back to environmental injustice like i feel like that it has a huge effect on on black and, and brown people right because you know economically uh, uh we may not all be able to afford a car therefore we have to take public transportation public transportation is shitty therefore it affects how we can you know what we can do and like where we can work and all that stuff like i i i and i do feel like that's a whole conversation to have in itself about how public transportation how shitty public transportation uh negatively impacts people of color right yeah no definitely and i think it's obviously a huge issue i think this stems back i think from like even urbanized policies and how mm-hmm. los angeles itself was necessarily behind this transport transportation game and so obviously because of all these like the lack of like um it was expensive obviously back then years ago when they had uh subway not subway systems but trolleys and stuff and trains it was like unsustainable to even afford it and so then all of those businesses went bankrupt and then the city was like okay in order for us to make sure people get through let's just make cars and make free uh-huh. and then that was the solution but long term it created all these injustices for all those communities than when the freeways were built under their homes right right and it's just easier to segregate people when they have to rely on tra- uh, public transportation right like in boston mm-hmm. uh one of the big things is uh most of the people of color live off of two lines so only two train lines the red line and the, and the orange line and these lines used to be the worst lines in this city they they, they changed it a little bit but you know uh it's it it's it's just so much easier to segregate when people have to rely on a system that only brings them to certain places, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just one of those like fucked up things that you know. Once you start thinking about it, it's like, yeah, wow, this is this is really messed up. I mean, I don't I don't really know the history of of, of the public transportation system in LA, but if I'm correct, they've been trying to fix it for a few years now, but nothing's really changed, right? Yeah, and I think it stems back with the fact that the lack of, you would say, available funds for the city and to the fact that um, a lot of uh, exclusionary policies, especially the NIMBYs or not in my backyard, people are against it, especially because the development within their own areas would obviously cause disruption or what you would say um they say like too many people would come into their communities and so obviously there's it's just so there's just so many issues on there and i think um la itself you know i'm not an urban policy person myself but i you know have talked to people who are urban studies and they all agree that like um there's just a lot of things that go into the policy behind it and people not wanting it and so that's why it's um, stayed that way but also there's obviously theories of the fact that the buses now the metro here they drive slower because they're trying to defund it and so now like with less buses available then less people would want it which is a public use it like public service and so when you decrease the public service you have more funding for other things and so it's all this like weird like policies and things that are happening in institutions 
Wow, that's I, I didn't know about that's that's insane. But like, what's weird is that you know one of the big thing, one of the stereotypes of LA is that the traffic is god awful, which is true. It's it's terrible. Traffic <laughs> in LA is so bad, and that would be fixed with a, a efficient public transportation system. And mind you, like I you know I I recognize that public transportation in America is just trashy in general. I mean, trains itself. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I was uh, I'm I'm a huge train guy. Right, like whenever I could take the train, I I will. Right, mm-hmm. that, uh, not just the subway, but the you know state by state trains. Um, I, I'm back and forth between New York and Boston all the time. The trains are like super efficient. However, they can be significantly more efficient, right, and 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 faster. I mean, in in Japan, we, we all know the super trains in Japan. Like those those are absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. They're extremely fast, and you know it it would just create for just a more efficient transportation system. But it will also help. You know the environment, like you know, you, you I, and, and mind you, you know, cars aren't the the. If if we all got if we got cars off the road entirely, it, it, will, it may not fix what's wrong with the planet. It will certainly be a huge step in the right direction. Um, but again, yeah, just going back to LA, like that that that's that's a solution. And, and you know, like you said, there there's there's more to it. But hey, let's defund the police and put it back into public transportation. That's my uh. <laughs> exactly (laughs) public safety public usage and i think that's what people don't understand is that they don't necessarily need this big amount of salary to give citations to meet their quota at the end of the day we're not paying i'm not gonna pay someone to make 100k plus to give tickets to low-income folks because they have to meet their quota and use their intimidation to terrorize these communities like that doesn't work that way teachers should be getting paid more and LAUSD you know that's not they're the true heroes the true protectors you know yeah yeah that was cool that was pretty lit that was pretty lit um I will be linking Isaiah's information, social media, all that good stuff in the description below. So please check that out. Uh, please give us a like. Please give us a, a subscribe. Follow us at the Black Hole Podcast on Instagram. If you liked us, reach out. If you didn't, also reach out. Uh, we always like to improve here at the show. But anyway, I will see you guys for part two of my conversation with Isaiah Hernandez. All right, peace, y'all.